It is good to be with you today, and uh, as we begin, let me share my appreciation to this church for your support of, of Rolling Hills Ministries. You are such a vital part of our ministry, your support that you give on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis to our ministry, and also your support for uh, Southern Baptist Disaster Relief Work. Many of you are volunteers. Many of you support that ministry. We will be entering... I've lost count tomorrow. I believe it's day 25 of our operation on the Red River flood. Tomorrow we will have about 70 volunteers still on the ground working in the Caddo Bozier area. We hope to wind that down by Wednesday of this week as the operation shifts further south into Natchitoches and then further south after that. So please continue to pray for our volunteers that are on the ground working, trying to make a difference uh, in the lives of people that are hurting. I did hear from our pastor last night. He texted me, which I immediately texted back, are you here? Are you back? Because I thought, if you are, you need to be here this morning. <laughs> and uh, he texted me. They were four hours from catching their flight uh, in the night last night, which would have been in the early a.m. of our, our day today. So they are en route as we speak, I would guess, and probably had a layover somewhere and will be in later today, I, I would imagine. And so we need to pray for them as they travel from Hungary. I've entitled my message, and, and it's, it's strange because when Reggie called me several months ago and asked if I would, would uh, do the message this morning when he was gone, I, I really, something immediately came to my mind months ago, not knowing what our speaker would share last Sunday morning and not knowing the events that have occurred within our nation this week. And, and I find it not ironic. It's just kind of God's timing, I think, that he led me to this passage of Scripture now, don't panic when you look in your bulletin and it says we're going to cover Acts chapter 3 and 4. <laughs> I, won't, I won't say anything there, but for some people that would take them several months, okay? And what we're going to do is we're just going to look at little excerpts today, a couple of scriptures to kind of get a glimpse or a snapshot. But I've, I've entitled my message today, Did You Wake Up This Morning Expecting to Change Your World? Did you wake up this morning expecting to change your world? Now, I don't want a show of hands and, and look at the person seated next to you, but I, I, I want to ask a series of questions. Do you consider yourself to be ordinary? Think about that for just a minute. You might say, well, I'm ordinary, but I don't know about the person sitting next to me. But do you consider yourself to be ordinary, just an ordinary person? An ordinary life, an ordinary education, an ordinary job, uh, you've fallen into an ordinary routine that you go about on a daily basis. I think a lot of us uh, consider ourselves to be just kind of typical of ordinary. But I go back to this question, did we wake up this morning with the intention to change our world? And if we didn't, why not? Because we need to realize that we change our world every day that we live. That change can either be positive or, sadly to say, for some, that change can be negative. To admit that we wake up each morning, though, thinking and claiming to ourselves that we're going to change our world, that seems almost impossible because we think, it's just me, little ordinary me. What can I do to change my world? What can I do to make a difference? But again, whether we realize it or not, through small acts of kindness and love and the demonstration of what Christ has done for us can have not only daily impacts but eternal consequences for those that we 
come in contact with on a daily basis. Jesus, in, in, in teaching and preaching, told us that we are to be salt, we're to be the flavoring and, and the preservation in society. He said we are to be light. So again, it comes back to not the fact that we are going to change our world, but we need to ask ourselves, what kind of impact are we going to have on our world? Think about yourself this morning. And to do so, I want to look at the lives of, of Peter and John, two of Jesus' followers, who we know by all accounts given to us in Scripture were just ordinary men. They were common men. They worked hard as fishermen to, to make a living. They were uneducated. They were untrained. They didn't have a lot of influence. They didn't have a lot of power. And yet they made a difference in the lives of millions of people. Why? Why? I think it comes back to one verse that will be the key verse of our passage today in, in chapter 4, of our message today, chapter 4, verse 13. Now they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men and they marveled and they began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. What allowed Peter and John to so impact their world was they had been with Jesus. Their lives had been changed. The first thing you and I need to understand this morning is that you or I will never change our world if we've not been changed ourselves by Jesus Christ. That's where it starts this morning. For each of us, where we stand in our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Have you had that life-changing experience of meeting the risen Savior? If we are going to have any lasting impact for eternity on individuals' lives, then we ourselves must know the risen Savior. Peter and John, ordinary men. An ordinary day. The Bible tells us at the start of chapter 3, Peter and John were going to the temple at the ninth hour, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We, we could easily say they, they were going to prayer meeting. And there was a certain man who had been lame since his mother's, uh, he was in his mother's womb. And, and the story tells us that he was being carried by friends. And this, this had been going on for 40 years. And he would be there at the beautiful gate. And when Peter and John, verse 3, when they were about to go into the temple, he began asking them to receive alms. He had to beg for his existence. Peter and John, they gaze upon him and they say, look at us. And he began to, to give them attention and he expected to receive money in return. Peter said, I don't have silver and gold, but what I do have... He said, I'm, I'm going to give you a miracle in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. Get up and walk. So what we have here in ordinary day is they arrive at the temple. They could have easily ignored this man like the vast majority of people probably did. Maybe they had on previous days. I don't know. I kind of doubt it. But for some reason, God allowed their lives to intersect that day. And in so doing, they changed this man's life. They changed their world. Why? Again, because they had been with Jesus. Both Peter and John had seen Jesus show compassion for the sick. 
They had seen Jesus love the poor and the needy. They had witnessed Jesus as he took care of the physical and the spiritual needs of those he came in contact with. And because they had been with Jesus, Scripture tells us they had compassion on this man. And even though they could not give him a physical resources, again, they gave him something far more valuable. They gave him the miracle of healing. Time will not allow us to read. I love the pages, and our pastor's been teaching from Acts. I love the pages of Acts as it describes these early believers because immediately people noticed what was happening. The man got up. He, he was healed. People began to observe. He's been like this since birth. And as they observed, they began to rejoice themselves and to ask questions, and it gave Peter the opportunity to share the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ, and he begins to preach. And his message is powerful. God's Word tells us that before the day was out, those who heard and believed, the Bible says, grew to about 5,000. But you know, there was a group that wasn't happy with what was taking place. Isn't that always the case? The religious leaders, the, the priests, the Sanhedrin, they were angry. And Scripture records that they had them arrested. But it was late in the day. Because it was late in the day, they put them in prison overnight and they thought to themselves, we will deal with this tomorrow. And so the next day, they appeared before this group, the Sanhedrin, which, for lack of a better way, and I don't think I'm carrying this too far, would be considered to be one of the high courts of their land. It was this same group that just a few months earlier had delivered Christ to be crucified. And as Peter and John stand before them and they begin to question them, they ask in, in verse 7 of the text, by what authority, by what power, by what name are you doing this? Have you done this? Peter again sees a great opportunity to preach, to present the gospel. And so he begins to share with them and he doesn't water it down, he doesn't change it. He's talking to the very group that took Jesus' life and could take his. In fact, he even tells them, they are the very ones that delivered Christ up to be crucified. You want to talk about boldness? You want to talk about courage? You want to talk about changing your world? Do you think the day before when Peter and John got up on an ordinary day and they were going to church at 3 o'clock in the afternoon that he thought the very next day he would have the opportunity to witness to the high court of the land? Isn't it ironic where we are today with this message? to give a witness to those who did not believe, who scoffed at Jesus Christ, who made light of religion, and yet they stood their ground for the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we look at this, they don't know what to do with them. Read it later today. They don't know how to respond. Because we go back to that key verse again, verse 13. They recognize them as uneducated, untrained, not a lot of influence, not a lot of position, not a lot of power, but there was something different about them, and it was, it was again, the fact they said they have been with Jesus. You know what it was? 
It was because these men were sold out lock, stock, and barrel for Jesus Christ. They had committed themselves, their lives to Jesus. No one else, not family, not friends, nothing in the world mattered more than their relationship to Jesus Christ. They were committed to teaching and preaching the word. You know, for the disciples, and we know most of them and and, and the ends of their lives and what they faced through, through torture and imprisonment and death, it would have been a whole lot easier if they had lived a nice, quiet life, never preached, never said anything. They could have lived a normal, ordinary life. But that was not the case for them, again, because they'd been with Jesus. And it should not be the case for us because we, too, have been with Jesus if we've ever really met the risen Savior, then we would be like Peter and John when they tell them, quit talking, and Peter stood before them, John stood and said, we cannot stop speaking what we've seen and what we've heard. We cannot. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what you do, no matter what you threaten us with, we cannot. These were men who walked by faith and not sight. And for us to take that faith walk like them means that we must stay close to the one who gives us power. As we walk and live by faith, God will and can do powerful things through us. You and I today might consider ourselves just ordinary people but we serve an extraordinary God. Amen? And He can do miracles through us just like He did these early disciples. That means for us to follow their example no matter again what pressure comes our way, no matter what temptation comes our way, we are going to be committed to live the life that He's called us to live. How can we tell if someone's been with Jesus? I think of the words where Jesus said, By this all men will know you're my disciples. What? If you love one another. Peter and John loved those around them. They showed the acts of compassion to this man that day on the temple. They showed as they stood before the group acts of courage. They showed an unwavering commitment. I want you and I for just a moment to think about our lives this morning. When people look at you, who or what do they see? Do they see a lukewarm, halfway committed Christian or do they see something different? Do they see a Christian who's truly on fire for Jesus Christ? Do they see a Christian that's truly committed to making a difference? Peter and John had been transformed because they had been with Jesus and they still were with him walking day by day, and we can be also. Their words were alive. Their words were real. They were his spokesmen because they knew the message they had was not their message. It was his message. They knew where their power came from. Chapter 4, verse 21 says, after getting on to them, they let them go. Even though they told them, we're not going to stop doing what we've been doing. And when they were released, you know what they did? They gathered with other believers. 
And the Bible says that God's Spirit was so moving among them that the place they gathered together was shaken. But not only that, you know what they did? They prayed for the boldness to even do more. I would share with you and I, we do not need to settle with where we are in our Christian life. None of us have arrived. We can always do more for Jesus Christ. Every day, you and I have 1,440 minutes to make a difference in our world, to impact our lives. You and I are going to have a choice. Are we going to live our Christian lives in isolation? Are we going to live this life that God has given us under fear and intimidation? Are we going to be afraid as we have witnessed society, as was shared with us last week and the events in our nation this week, are we going to be so afraid of all the rapid change around us that we as Christians draw back and fail to make a difference? Folks, we don't need to water down the gospel and we don't need to back up and we don't need to lose heart because in God's word, we know who wins. So how are we going to live? Every day, you and I have opportunities. Every day, you and I have the opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. Every day, we have interaction with dozens of people, and a lot of times, those interactions are just brief encounters and they might be unmemorable, but I want you to know even those short, fleeting encounters that we have with people, family members, co-workers, strangers, those who intersect our lives and the trajectory of our lives, you and I can make a difference. The passage that we're looking at this morning should help us realize that that we don't have to be extraordinary or extraordinary to do great things for Jesus Christ. We can make a difference. I love the story that Jerry Stowall tells about an encounter he had at a Starbucks years ago. It could very well have happened right here in Ruston at this Starbucks. He says that he had gone out early that morning for his morning run. And on the way back home, he stopped by Starbucks for his daily cup of coffee. He said, I go into the Starbucks like I always do, and, and, and I got in line. There was one person in line uh, in front of me. He said, about 6 o'clock in the morning, but this was no ordinary I want a cup of coffee encounter because he said the guy in front of me was in an argument with the, with the little girl behind the counter. He was complaining in no uncertain terms that he wanted a newspaper and all he had was a $50 bill to pay for it. And because it was so early in the morning, she didn't have the change to offer him that newspaper and, and so that had led to this argument. He shares, it finally dawned on me, you know, I can make a difference. This is an opportunity. So he said, hey, just let me pay for the paper I'll buy it for him. To which she handed the man the paper. He briefly said thanks a lot as he walked by and he walked out the door. He went on to write, to my amazement, the, the, the store clerk, the, the young lady said, Mister, that was a really nice thing you did. 
The world would be a lot better place to live in if there were more people like you. He said her comments caught me completely off guard. I didn't have anything to say. He said I should have pointed the glory to Jesus Christ, but he said I walked out the door and as I walked down the sidewalk, it came to me, well, that might be what she said, the world would be a better place if there were more people like me. But what I should have done, done in that moment of opportunity is, is look at her and said, no, the world would be a better place, not if there were pe- more people like me, but if there were more people like Jesus Christ. True Christians make a difference. Those of the early church made a difference. They impacted their society. And one of the main characteristics about them was the evidence that their lives, that existed within their lives, that they had a daily relationship with their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the same can be true for us today. Time does not change what the Holy Spirit brings to us when we surrender ourselves to Him. I would share with you as I challenge myself this morning, it's high time that we as God's people rise up and take our rightful place as children of the King. It's time that we get off the spiritual roller coaster and become a committed follower of Jesus Christ. It's time for, we, for us as Christians to stand up and be counted. Do you agree with me? If we allow ourselves to develop that personal daily relationship with Jesus Christ, he'll direct our lives in such a way that we will intersect the lives of people that need to see and feel and experience his love. You know, I was thinking this week, what difference can we make? You know, again, I come back, I'm just one person. And I realize it's summer, and and because the students are gone, our numbers will be down, so bear with me for the sake of this illustration. But on any given Sunday, I think Lloyd would tell us that in the two morning worship services, there are about 1,000 people plus that attend our worship services. Let's say every one of us that are attending today make a commitment this week that we're going to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ to those around us that we are going to wake up each morning intending this week to make a difference in our world. Do you realize if there were a thousand people here this morning that when we gather next Thursday, we would have committed 7,000 acts of intentional kindness and demonstrated the love of Jesus Christ? Do you think those 7,000 acts of kindness and love could change our community? I do. Carry it out for a year. What if we made a commitment to do, each one of us, an act of kindness a day, sharing a, a, a word to the lost, love to the needy, compassion to the poor? When we gathered here a year from now, 365,000 acts of kindness and love. One act a day isn't overwhelming, is it? Somebody say, well, you need to do more than that. Maybe it gets numbers that are unrealistic for us. But I think all of us are capable of one kind word, one thoughtful remark, one unexpected act of kindness, one gift of service, 
That's what it's going to take if we make a difference in our world. To become involved with people who need Jesus. Terry Muck in Men of Integrity shares the story of his neighbor. He and his neighbor, his neighbor was a non-Christian. They had a casual relationship, he says, over the fence in the backyard. They would visit on occasion across the fence. Sometimes they would lend a lawnmower to one another if theirs was broken. He said, that's about as far as it went. He said, and then the non-Christian's wife was stricken with cancer. And three months later, she died. Here's a part of the letter that the non-Christian wrote to his neighbor. He says, and I quote, I was in total despair. I went through the funeral preparations and the service like I was in a trance. After the service was over that evening, I went to a path along the river to walk. And I walked all night long. But he writes, I didn't walk alone. My neighbor stayed beside me. He walked every step that night with me. And when the sun finally came up the next morning, he looked at me and he said, let's go get some breakfast. This man, who was not a Christian, went on to write, I am now involved in church. I go to my neighbor's church. A religion that can produce the kind of caring and love that my neighbor showed me is something that I want to find more about. I want a love like that for now and for the rest of my life. That's what our world needs. For us to demonstrate and to show the love of Jesus Christ. Did you wake up this morning intending to change your world? We're going to change it. I hope through our acts we change it for Jesus Christ. Thomas Akempis once said, at the day of judgment, we will not be asked what we've read. We'll be asked what we've done. What we've done. I think it's time we got busy. Would you pray with me? Father, we come to a time of invitation. Father, your word challenges us to not just stay seated within the comfortable confines of this worship center, but Father, just like those early disciples, you challenge us to get involved in the world around us. Father, I pray that each one of us here today would make a commitment before we leave this place this morning that we truly want to impact our world for Jesus Christ. Father, I pray this morning as we have gathered here that you have touched our lives and we will reach out to those around us. Father, I pray for those who are hurting, the needy, the poor, those who need compassion. I pray for the one here today, maybe whose life has never been changed and before they get started, they need to enter a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, asking forgiveness of their sins and healing in their own life so then they can reach out and love to those around them. Father, we give these closing moments of this service to you now. First, in Christ's name that we pray.